hiding is from Acts chapter 20, verses 13 to 38. And if you want to use the Bible that are on the seats in front of you, that's page 1115, 1115. It's about Paul's farewell to the Ephesian elders. We went on ahead to the ship and sailed for Assos, where we were going to take Paul aboard. He had made this arrangement because he was going there on foot. When he met us at Assos, we took him aboard and went on to Mytilene. The next day, we set sail from there and arrived off Chios. The day after that, we crossed over to Samos and on the following day arrived at Miletus. Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the province of Asia because he was in a hurry to reach Jerusalem, if possible, by the day of Pentecost. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to his ship. I'm now going to invite Tom to come up and um, tell us what God has showed him in this passage. But first of all, we'll just ask God to bless what you're about to say. 
Mighty God, you know our hearts, you know Tom's heart, you know the message that you have prepared for him to deliver tonight and we ask that there will be a space in all of our hearts to hear what you are saying in Jesus' name. Amen. And uh, I just want to add my welcome to everybody uh, who's here tonight. Um, as I've been introduced and also, I guess, farewelled, my name is Tom and I have uh, yeah, had the privilege of serving uh, at the Res and at uh, the church the last uh, two years, which has been awesome. I, I've, I've learned so much from being involved in this community and uh, it's been a privilege to be able to be involved here in the uh, at the level that I've been able to. So uh, I guess I thank you for that. And uh, I just want to say as well, I'm aware that in this passage, Paul is farewelling uh, the Ephesians. And in no way do I want to relate myself to Paul farewelling you guys uh, tonight. I- I'm about equivalent to Paul's big toe, and that's about as, as far as it'll go tonight. So I'm going to be looking at his farewell to the Ephesian elders, and it's not going to be my farewell to KBC. <laughs> um, so... One thing that I just want to start with is just, I guess, framing, framing tonight. Uh, this is a night to celebrate and to uh, farewell the, year, the students that have been at KSR this last year. And uh, in one sense, uh, we are just a non-for-profit university student accommodation. At one level, that's true. But at another level, we are a really intentional uh, community and ministry where we want to see people uh, discipled in the way of Jesus to be trusting and knowing him more. We also want to see people who don't know Jesus coming to see him as it's showcased in community. And we also want to train leaders as well uh, to be sent out from uh, Q Q student residents. And uh, I think that is something that's really worth celebrating tonight and really worth uh, farewelling well. And that's why we're looking to the Bible to see how the Bible shows us how to farewell, and see how um, Paul did it here in this passage. So we're looking at Acts 20, and I hope that uh, this passage is able to prepare you well uh, for the next season of of life. So let's just uh, quickly set the scene here. Um, This passage falls in Luke-Acts, which is a two-part volume recounting uh, the earthly ministry of Jesus Uh, and what he did, who he was, what he achieved, and then moves into Acts, where it focuses on the ministry of Peter, the Apostle Peter, as the the news, the gospel news, the gospel message about Jesus goes out to Jerusalem amongst all the Jews, and then with uh, Paul, who is the character in this story here, how he takes it to all the nations, how it explodes around the Roman Empire. And at this point, we're just on the tail end of Paul's third missionary journey around the Roman Empire. So he's been traveling around modern-day Turkey, um, southern Greece, planting and establishing churches uh, along the way and and doing what he is called to do, which is to uh, proclaim and communicate the gospel to these people. And along the way, um, Jerusalem, the the home base, so to speak, is going through a really severe uh, famine and drought. And that's where we're at at the moment. And so Paul is going amongst all these churches going, hey, how can we support these guys back in Jerusalem? So he's, uh, he's collecting a bunch of resources and money to take back to uh, Jerusalem. And along the way, uh, this, is, this story occurs, this speech to the Ephesian elders occurs. And so that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. So if you want to dive into that with me, open it up. It's uh, Acts 20, starting verse 13. And we're going to read through it. And we're going to start just with the prelude to the speech. 
It says this, But going ahead to the ship, we, so that's Luke and a few other colleagues, uh, we set sail for Asos, intending to take Paul aboard there, for so he had arranged, intending himself to go by land. And when he met us at Asos, we took him aboard and went to Mytilene. And sailing from there, we came to the the following day opposite Chios. The next day, we touched at Samos. The day after that, we went to Miletus. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he might not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hastening to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. Now, I hope you can sort of pick up in the text, there's a sense of urgency going on. Like there's a, a sense of we went here, then we went here, then we picked up Paul, then we dropped off Paul, and then we're like the next day, the following day, the following day. There's a sense of urgency that Luke is building into the text as we sort of read along it. And we can see this urgency that Paul has to get to Jerusalem. That's one clear desire that Paul has. He, I really want to resource these people in Jerusalem, if so, by the day of Pentecost. Along the way, though, we see that Paul... Luke deliberately notes that he went around Ephesus, and that's because um, in Ephesus, when he was there last, he was preaching the gospel, he was there for about three years, and he, near the end of it, there's this huge riot that he stirred up uh, in response to his preaching, to the point where he's almost killed, he gets, he gets forced out of Ephesus, and uh, he obviously wants to avoid that trouble again on the way back, if, if there's any sense of uh, rumors being spread about, he wants to avoid that. So he's going to skip around Ephesus. But we see he clearly has this really protective and fatherly desire to want to look after these churches that he has been involved in founding and planting. So he's really uh, passionate and fatherly towards these churches. And he, uh, he takes time to wait in my leaders to send some messages, 13 hours walking there, 13 hours back with the elders, so he can talk to them. So he's obviously in, on, in a rush to get to Jerusalem, but he also really wants to leave them with something solid, something tangible. And that's what uh, this, this speech is. And so it's interesting. Luke doesn't often uh, preserve the entire speech like this in Acts. Like, there's only like, three major speeches that uh, Luke records of Paul, and this is one of them. And so it, he's really, because he's been hitting the high points the whole way through Acts. And so he's really going, hey, this is really important. We need to dial in and look at this passage and look at this speech. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at this speech. And you might notice it's written to elders. And you might also notice that we're not all elders. <laughs> but I think there are some really pertinent things that we can glean from this speech that are relevant to all Christians today. And I think that is going to really set us up well for the next season of life as we farewell uh, and celebrate the year uh, that's been. So the speech is broken down into three parts. Uh, there's the first part, which goes from verse 18 to 25. The next one is from verses uh, 26 to 32, and then 33 to 35. And the first and third one are reflecting on Paul's ministry amongst the Ephesians. He's reflecting upon how he lived, what he did. And then the center one, the second section, he's focusing in on some instructions that he wants to leave the Ephesian elders with. And so we're just going to follow in that. We're going to look at part one and three, then we're going to look at part two at the end. And there's going to be some really uh, interesting things that are really relevant to us. So if you want to look at verse 18, we'll, we'll read from there. And you'll, you'll notice here that uh, he starts with, uh, you yourselves know how I lived among you. So he's appealing to their knowledge of how he lived among them. He's appealing to his reputation among them. So he clearly lived in a certain way. So let's have a look at that. And when they came to him, he said to them, you, you, you yourselves know how I lived among you. 
the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me because the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me that in every city, imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor precious to myself, if only I may finish the course and ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold... I know that none of you among whom I've gone about proclaiming the kingdom will ever see my face again. So this is an example of a man who was deeply implanted in the gospel. He was deeply driven by the gospel. In here, he, he literally reels off heaps and heaps of, of repetitions of, of the gospel. He's going, declaring to you anything that was profitable, teaching you in public and private testifying both the Jews and the Greeks of repentance and faith, testifying to the gospel of the grace of God, uh, proclaiming the kingdom. He, it's just like bang, 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 repetition, repetition, repetition. And so he's trying to highlight that when I was with you, I was deeply, deeply gospel-centered. That's what he's trying to highlight to them. And he, he's, he's repeating this message that in the brokenness of our own lives and the mess of our own lives and in the brokenness of the world around us, there is good news for us. And that good news comes to us through the person of Jesus, the appointed one by God to restore God's rule and reign over the world. And he's, in his grace, he died to purchase us back so we can enter that kingdom and we can be a part of that kingdom, living gladly under Jesus' rule. And he's just gone about preaching that message and people are responding to that good news because there is bad news going on around us. And so he has been preaching that and that's, he, he's just repeating himself. This is what I was on on about the whole entire time. In the third section, though, he talks about how he, he lived in response to the gospel. So not only was he preaching the gospel, and that's just like I was just banging on about the whole time, he also is living in response to the gospel. So if you look at verse 33 with me, he says this, I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. So he wasn't about money. He wasn't trying to put on a show to try and get people to come and pay him. That's obviously not what he was doing. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. So this, so he's just saying, Paul was not like a charlatan or a fraud going, hey, hey, good news, good news, good news, selling them some false gospel and then heading off with all their money. That's not what he did. In fact, he paid his way so he could be amongst them for long periods of time, preach them the gospel, communicate the gospel to them, and then um, also support them. So he was preaching the gospel, supporting himself, and then looking after the poor amongst them. Like This guy was living out of the gospel. He, he clearly was convicted of this so much that he was willing to sacrifice a lot for himself. And a lot uh, of himself for them. He lived a life of sacrifice, a life of generosity, a life of humility, not living for fame or status. And he really wanted to build up those around him. And this is because he's living in response to the gospel. That if Jesus really is king, if Jesus really is the saviour, then living to, 
in response to Jesus, living as though he is king, is essential. Living in his kingdom by loving others and loving God. That's what he was doing here. He was loving others in a really tangible, intrinsic, practical way. So that's verses 1 and 3. I know we don't want to be a a skim, but that section 1 and 3 talks about his ministry among them. And then we get to this verse here, and you'll see it uh, in verses 24. Um, It says, But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a statement that someone who is believing the gospel and living from the gospel, only a person like that can make that statement. Because he's saying, to live is Christ, to die is gain. No matter what comes my way, I am dedicated to living out the call that Jesus has placed on my life. And he's lived the gospel, he's preached the gospel, and he's lived in response to the gospel. And because Jesus is king, and because he, he really is at the center of the gospel message, then he is willing to trust his promises. He's trusting him to get into the kingdom, to live under Jesus' rule and reign, and he's also trusting Jesus to hold him into the future, into the future where he'll be with God forever. And that means whatever happens to me now, so what? I'm trusting God in in this promise here, where I'm trusting him to be in his kingdom, and I'm also going to trust when he returns, he he will save me and draw me into the renewal of all things. And so it's a beautiful example of how uh, he modeled living for Jesus and from Jesus. Now, in section two, he gives them these instructions to the Ephesian elders. So let's have a quick uh, read over that. He says this in verse 26. Therefore, I testify you to, to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers or elders to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease day or night to admonish or urge uh, every one of you with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all who are sanctified. There's a few really interesting things here that we can pull out. First of all, he says, I'm innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Why does he say that? It's an interesting thing. He's farewelling them. He's going, hey, I absolve myself of any responsibility in some sense. Why, why is he saying that? Well, I think he's making the point that I have preached the gospel. I have lived in response to the gospel right in front of you. And now it's over to you to trust God and to follow Jesus for yourselves. With our Christian walks, we can't be vicariously living through our leaders. We can't be vicariously living through the the really strong Christian who we see uh, around us. We need to trust Jesus. We need to believe Jesus. We need to respond to the gospel for ourselves. And so I think Paul here is making a really strong case to them going, hey, this is an opportunity for you to take spiritual responsibility, spiritual ownership of of believing the gospel and, and of trusting God uh, for yourselves. And uh, in some sense, he's pushing them 
like out of the nest in some sense. Like the mother bird pushes the, the baby birds out of the nest and they have to sort of start flying. And he's not saying to them, oh, now go really try really hard and when I'm gone. He's saying, now nah, it's onto you actually to trust God for yourselves and to lean on Jesus for yourselves. And I think he's, that's what he's doing. He's trying to urge them to take spiritual uh, responsibility and spiritual ownership in being a disciple. Now, why does he do this though? Why does he feel the need to sort of make this point? Well, he says a few things. Um, he says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to the flock. He says that fierce wolves will come in and speak twisted things. He also says, be alert. What, why, why is he saying this? Well, these are really, really strong commands. Like, they're really like, wake up, sort of like, be alert. Something's coming. And what he's trying to make the point about is that he was really diligent in caring and, 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 and shepherding them. And now he's saying to the elders, you need to be really diligent and caring in shepherding your flock to take responsibility and to trust the gospel and to rely on the gospel. And that is something that we should take, um, take heed to as well. Because yes, we're not all elders, but we are all lay people. We should be listening to what Paul is saying to the elders and, and what the elders are trying to do for the lay people in the church. And that is, we need to be aware that there are influences and there are messages and there are people and there are things that are going to try and pull us away from relying on Jesus, on trusting the gospel, on building our lives firmly on that, uh, on that stability of the gospel. And put another way, it's not a question of, are you a disciple? Uh, it's not a question of, oh, I'm not a disciple or I am a disciple. The question is, you are a disciple, who are you being discipled by? And so Paul is urging them here, hey, there's going to be heaps of people wanting to disciple you in every single direction. Like implicitly, explicitly, overtly, subtly, there are heaps of things and forces and people who are trying to pull you away from following Jesus holistically and deeply. And this is what he's urging them to like, pay attention to, to be aware of what is going on around you, to be wide-eyed in some sense. And that's relevant for us here today because in some sense, as a second-year student and as staff, we're sort of stepping out of the supportive, protective environment that we've been able to enjoy at KSR. At KSR, we've had uh, leaders who are, who are praying for us and leading us well. We've had people who are mentoring us. We've had people who are um, giving us wise and, and caring support along the way. And in some sense, when you step out into share houses, there will be, a lot of that will sort of disappear. <laughs> You'll still be part of a church community, but the intentionality that you experience at Res won't be the same. And so as you move into share houses, there will be a sense in which I need to take ownership of my own relationship with Jesus. I need to take responsibility and go, am I going to build my life on this gospel message? Is that something that I am going to do? And I found that in my own experience. Like when I moved into a share house, there's definitely a sense in which you could easily fly under the radar. You could easily just switch off and um, start following other things, doing whatever you want, because there's not that same level of accountability that you get when you're in intentional community together. And so your next step in your discipleship to Jesus, in being a Christian, in some sense will be standing on the gospel for yourself and going, yeah, yeah, I believe this is good news and I'm going to live in response to it, just like Paul did just like the Ephesians did. That's what I'm going to do. And so there's a loving challenge there. It, it, like that's, that is a challenge to us. And um, the, in, the good thing is, though, Paul doesn't say, 
um, spiritual responsibility equals trying harder. He says spiritual responsibility is leaning upon the gospel more. He says down in uh, verses uh, 31, 32, sorry. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you inheritance among all those who are sanctified. And so he's saying, you need to continue to lean upon God. He's entrusting them to God, that he is the source of, of empowerment for your discipleship. He is the source and the, and the thing that's going to complete you. Jesus is going to carry us through. And that's a, that's a beautifully reassuring thing. Because if we call ourselves a disciple of Jesus, and we're, we've repented, we've changed direction, we've placed our faith in Jesus, and, and we believe that he's king, then like if you were at 10 a.m. service today, like Jeff reminded us, he is going to hold us to the end. He is going to hold us secure. And that's something we can lean upon uh, through our walk. When we're feeling down, when we're feeling like we're struggling, we can rely upon the gospel. We can go, yes, this is something that is good news for me, even now in the depths of however I'm feeling. If I'm feeling alone from God, I know that God is near to me by his spirit. If I'm struggling with sin, I know that God's grace is sufficient to cover that. And so the gospel is something that we can build our lives upon. And so that is a beautifully reassuring thing accompanying something that is like a loving challenge to, to, to step into uh, taking responsibility for our spiritual walk. And then he moves on to the end, which is in verse 36, just after the speech. He says this, Luke says this, And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken to them, that they would not see his face again, and they accompanied him to the ship. Now, this actually is really sad, to be honest. Like, Paul is going, I'm actually never going to see you again. Like, that's, that's tough. <laughs> like, your spiritual father in the faith is going, I, I'm not going to see you again. And you can see why they responded like this. He he lived in deep community with them. He had gone to the same shops. He had gone to the same cafe. He had gone to the same church. He would, he had ministered to them. Like he he was deeply implanted in their community. He's going. I'm never going to see you again. That that is really sad. <clears throat> and I don't want to overplay the analogy here, but in some sense, at Res, it is a very sad day on our last day because there are, we will probably see each other again. <laughs> we probably will see each other at netball or at church or uh, in our share houses. But there are some that we won't see again. And that is a sad thing. It's okay to mourn that. It's okay to, to be sad about that. And the beautiful thing that God promises us as the people of God is that he gives us hope. And that hope in relation to this is that, yeah, in this world, God has plans for us. Some of them will be doing life alongside each other, coming out of res. Some of those will be leading us down different paths. And that, and that is a sad thing to mourn that we might be going down different trajectories as we are obedient to Jesus. But we know that there is a hope for the future where he will reunite us, where he will draw us together, where those friendships will be able to be enjoyed forever in eternity with him and where, where they're not marred by sin. And, that, and that's actually a really beautiful thing to, to cling on to now um, and also with other times where there are other examples of saying goodbye to people and, that are sad. And there is something that can be drawn upon in the gospel, that it gives us hope for those and so as I wrap up, and as the band uh, comes up, I, I, I hope that you can see that there is this unified message coming out of this speech that he's urging them onto. He's, he's saying that 
I built my life upon this gospel. You, you can lean upon it. That I lived in response to the gospel. You've seen that modeled to you. And he's saying, cling to this gospel, guard it. Be, be aware of the forces that might pull you to and from and away from that gospel message. And this gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, this gospel about this person, the God-man, is good news. It's going to remain being good news. And it's something that we can lean upon and continue to trust as we finish up our time together uh, as a unique cohort here at Res. So I, I hope that you trust the gospel, that you cling to it, that you believe it um, as you head out over the next few years of your life. So, and on to the end of it, <laughs> I guess. Uh, let's, um, let's bow our heads. <laughs> wow. Uh, and uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for uh, this gospel message that uh, we, we believe, that we um, that we have built our lives around, that we're living in response to. And I pray that uh, from today onward, that we would be a people who cling to it, that trust it, uh, that live from it, and that we'll be a people who look like you, Jesus, and that are relying upon the grace that you have offered us in your, uh, in your death and in your resurrection. And we can sit firmly in your promises that you'll hold us securely through our lives and into the next. So, Lord, we thank you so much for this gospel. We want to build our lives on it. Amen.